This is Gordon Verning with Jazz Insights. On today's show, we're going to conclude with the music of Sonny Rollins. I'd like to start in 1958 with a very interesting record that he made entitled The Freedom Suite. The 1950s was a a very interesting time in terms of social changes in this country, and this piece um, reflects Sonny Rollins' awareness of social inequities. Rollins wrote um, a paragraph about his feelings, and um, the record company owner, I believe, was Orrin Keaton, who also wrote something on the record jacket. Needless to say, it's a very interesting piece of music, and it marks kind of an end to one period in uh, Sonny Rollins' life, 1958. The Freedom Suite um, was a trio piece. It features a great drummer, Max Roach, who he had worked with with Clifford Brown and off and on all throughout the 1950s, and a great bass player by the name of Oscar Pettiford. In some ways, the piece... It kind of foretells the future of jazz in terms of a more loosely organized style of music. And we begin to see it in, in the late 50s, 1958, in the music of Miles Davis, Milestones, a kind of modal piece, the music of George Russell and Gil Evans. And, and Sonny Rollins is, is in the middle of this development also, but he, of course, has his own take on this new development in jazz. The Freedom Suite is about 20 minutes long. It takes one whole side of a record. And the, on the side B of the record, there are some jazz standards, which are wonderful, but not nearly as interesting or as groundbreaking as the Freedom Suite. Uh, the piece is broken up into three sections. It starts with a very strongly based theme, and the improvisation is very creative and very loose, and it's pure Sonny Rollins. The end of the first movement, it goes into 3-4. Then there's a very slow movement. It's very interesting. And then the last movement is kind of a rehashing or coda of some of the material we heard in the first movement, but much faster. Needless to say, it's almost like it's a symphony. It's, it's a very interesting piece. Throughout it, Rollins is using his um, thematic improvisational skills. And um, let's listen to some of the first movement of The Freedom Suite, Sonny Rollins, 1958. This record really brings a close to this period in Rollins' life. In the late 50s, John Coltrane was beginning to come into his own, and Sonny Rollins was pretty much well agreed that he was one of the greatest, or if not the greatest, of the younger sax tenor players. Rollins uh, knew Ornette Coleman, he knew Don Cherry, and he had met them in California, I believe, in 1957 and 58, and had played with them, had practiced with them, and understood um, Ornette Coleman's approach to this uh, new style of music that eliminates chord changes, which is later known as free jazz. Uh, Sonny was very interested in this and knew these musicians quite well, and especially Don Cherry, the trumpet player. When Ornette Coleman came to New York in 1959 with that famous quartet and played, I believe it was at the five spot, it really shook up the New York jazz community. And Rollins, who was sometimes very self-critical, 
felt that he needed to withdraw from the music scene and practice and um, he basically retired um, from professional performance for about a year and a half, almost two years from 19, late, I think, 59, early 1960 to early uh, 1962. So for a two-year period, Rollins is off the music scene, and a lot happens between 1959 and 1962 in jazz. But he felt that he just needed to practice his horn and go back to the drawing board. Of course, there's famous stories about him practicing on the Williamsburg Bridge, which is a bridge that connects Manhattan to um, the borough of Brooklyn. He discovered it by accident and realized that there was a part of the bridge, a pedestrian um, part of the bridge where no, no one ever walked, no one was ever there, and it also had great acoustics. Um, it was outside, and he could see you know, the activity uh, on the river below. And this was a very important part, period in his life when he grows, and he's just um, working on the fundamentals and foundations of, of his saxophone playing. In... Uh, Late 61, early 62, he decided it's time to, to go back into the music scene and uh, form a group and start making records. A record company that was very interested in him was RCA, which was more of a kind of a commercial record company as opposed to, say, Blue Note or Prestige, which really promoted um, jazz records primarily. In this particular group, he began using a guitarist, so he um, left the trio with no chording instrument and hired this great guitarist, um, Jim Hall, they had known each other a little bit in the 1950s, but uh, Rollins wanted the sound of the guitar because it's a lighter sound, and it also uh, provided Rollins with more room for freedom for improvisation. The first record they released in 62 was called The Bridge. It is a fabulous record, and we're going to listen to the title cut right now. Later that same year, in 1962, um, Rollins formed um, another group with Don Cherry, and they were still recording for the RCA label, which is a very conservative uh, recording label, as I mentioned before. They released a record called Our Man in Jazz, which is probably, up to that point, was one of the most, we call, out or outside or free jazz influence records that Sonny Rollins ever recorded. And uh, they recorded um, one of Sonny Rollins' original tracks called Olio, which was um, first recorded, I believe, um, with Miles Davis about 1954 or 53, somewhere right around there. But he recorded this in 1962 on the RCA record with Don Cherry playing, um, I believe it was called a pocket trumpet. And this was very different for Rollins. And RCA records really didn't know what to do with this because it was a 20-minute long recording, and it was a live recording. And it was very free, very much in like in the Ornette Coleman uh, free jazz style. So let's give Olio a listen. Thank you. 
So basically, on this recording, um, Sonny Rollins has hired Ornette Coleman's band. People were um, somewhat confused when they when they heard the, um, the recording, but it's amazing. It bristles with this incredible energy and electricity. Uh, later on, uh, Don Cherry plays a wonderful solo, and the piece goes on for about 20 minutes. This was different from Rollins' previous records, but if you've been following his career and understand, you know, how much he loves his freedom and how important, you know, rhythmic and thematic development in his playing, it, it it's um, very logical. Now, in 1963, Rollins appeared um, at a big festival, I believe it was Newport, with his idol and his um, musical godfather, I guess you would say, and that's Coleman Hawkins. Um, Hawk, um, at that time, is in his late 50s. You know, Hawkins was is known as the father of jazz tenor saxophone, and he was the model for Sonny Rollins as a tenor saxophonist. And they performed live, and apparently it was a great concert, and they decided they were going to make a record together. So I believe the record's called um, Sonny Meets the Hawk. It's a fantastic record. And I tell you, when you listen to Hawkins play, he keeps up with Rollins at every turn on the record. Let's listen to their version of uh, Lover Man. Uh, the melody starts with um, Coleman Hawkins stating the first A section, and then um, Rollins comes in. And when you hear the two of them played um, side by side, you understand where Rollins um, gets that sound, that big gutsy sound from. In 1964, Sonny um, changed his group up and began using um, a group of younger musicians, many of whom were playing with Miles Davis, including uh, the pianist and composer Herbie Hancock and uh, Ron Carter. Between 1964 and 1966, he recorded a number of, of good and very interesting records. One of those records, uh, Now's the Time, uh, features Herbie Hancock. We're going to listen to a little bit of that in a second. It's a wonderful record. In 1966, he recorded um, East Broadway Rundown, which is another outstanding album featuring a great trumpet player, Freddie Hubbard. In late 66, he was asked to compose a soundtrack to a movie made in England featuring Michael Caine. It was called Alfie. Part of the soundtrack is improvised, part of it's written. They use bits and pieces of Sonny's music for the movie. So if you see the original movie and you hear the tenor sax um, in the background, that's Rollins. Later on, they made an album called um, Alfie, and it had orchestrations were done by Oliver Nelson. It's a wonderful record. It's not groundbreaking and like these other ones, but it's a very well-put-together record. Let's go back to Now's the Time, which was 
Charlie Parker composition recorded probably hundreds of times. And, and I have to say something, you know, about Rollins was very socially aware throughout his life, um, musically and personally. Now's the time is one of those bebop anthems that Parker wrote after the Second World War. And so it's only appropriate that we end today's show with this wonderful recording of Now's the Time, Sonny Rollins featuring uh, Herbie Hancock on piano. Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com. Jazz Insights is produced by WMLB AM 1690, the voice of the arts in Atlanta, Georgia.